Philippians chapter 4, again, as you turn there, I'm going to just recap. The first week, Pastor Todd talked about the amazing grace of God, as we just sang about and prayed about. He talked about that grace is God's gift that prepares us for heaven. He also talked about that grace is a gift that is so easily received. He went on to say grace is available for anyone and everyone who desires it. Fourth thing he talked about was a tremendous price was paid so grace could be available. And then he ended with a blessing and favor of grace is never ending. And then in week two, he talked about growing in God's grace. He hit on three things that week. He talked about how we become, uh, uh, we grow in grace and we become more convinced that God is gracious and his grace is always available. He went on to say that we begin to take advantage of our opportunities to grow in grace. And then we grow in grace when we begin developing a grace dependency. And as we're talking about we, this, this series is that we must become dependent on God's grace. Grace is not a one-time thing that happens at the altar when you get saved, but grace is something we should depend on. Grace empowers us to live a holy life. Amen? Grace is not a license to sin. Grace empowers us to live a life free of sin. Amen? To live a holy life. Now, I know we're going to stumble. I know we're going to fall. But grace is something, as he said, we should depend upon day in and day out. So the first two weeks, we talked about uh, God's grace and and God's grace, us receiving God's grace. So this morning, we're going to talk about extending grace. We're going to now we know God's grace and talked about his empowering grace in our life. Now we as, as believers should extend grace to others. And so our main text today is going to be Philippians 4, 5, and it says this. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Let's pray over our time in the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your amazing, wonderful grace. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to come together uh, as, as, a, as a body of Christ, as a big family today, Lord. We, we, we thankful for our time in your word, Lord God. As we, we hear your word, I pray that faith would arise in all of us, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, bind up every distraction, Lord. I take authority over this service and over everything that would, would try to distract any plans of the enemy. I cancel them right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we just pray for an open heaven this morning. Open up our ears, our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to receive and help me, Holy Ghost, as I I present this word clearly and accurately in Jesus name we pray amen so Paul tells the Philippian church let your graciousness be known to everyone the word graciousness means to possess grace to possess grace so one of the ways that we know that we possess grace is the ability to extend grace it's the ability to extend it to other people. You know, by reading a few different translations of Philippians 4, 5, it helps us to get a better picture of what grace is. I'm going to read it in three different uh, translations. The NCV says this, let everyone see that you are gentle and kind. New Living Translation says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. And then the Amplified says this, let all men know and perceive and recognize your un." selfishness. Come on, help me, Jesus. Your unselfishness. So this is different translations to see the meaning of what this word graciousness encompasses. So this morning, I want to give you a few ways that that we, that you, that all of us can extend grace. How can we be gracious to others? We know that the Lord is so gracious to us. And again, Pastor Todd unpacked that the last uh, couple of weeks of this, uh, the first two weeks of this series. So how can we be gracious to others. Number one, by being kind and tender-hearted towards others. 
We extend grace by being kind and tender-hearted, tender-hearted towards others. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Don't you love being around kind people? Amen? You know, I think that's one of the greatest, I mean, he has many attributes of our pastor, is that Pastor Todd is such a kind person, right? He's so kind, he's tender-hearted. I've told this story before, but I I can remember I had never even met him before. And when my dad died, he came to the funeral. I was 19 years old. And, and I know it was the grace of God and, 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 and upon his life, but he came to, we were in the front, the front pew of the funeral home and he came up and it, cause you know, my mom was coming here, obviously, and he was the youth pastor at the time and he asked, you mind if I sit up here? And I said, no, not only do I, I, I don't mind, but I would like for you to, but I just remember talking to him and how kind and tender hearted. We all love being around kind and tender hearted people, right? We, we don't like being around people that are harsh and hard and negative and just nobody likes that. You know, we live in a world that can be that way, so harsh and hard. So when people encounter us as Christians or we encounter each other as fellow brothers and sisters, we should be kind and tenderhearted to one another. That's what the Bible commands us to do. You know, and probably the greatest way we express kindness to others is in what we say, the way that we talk to people. Look what Ephesians 4.29 says. No foul language is to come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need. So that, listen to this, so that it gives, what? Grace to those who hear it. Our words should extend grace to others through tenderheartedness, through kindness. Everything we say, no foul, abusive language should come out. It should extend grace to others. I don't know about y'all, but I'm getting convicted even as I preach right now. I need grace. How about you? I need grace to extend it. You know, also, it can be not only what we say, but this is, I mean, there's a lot of different things, but two main things was, is what we say, obviously. But also, let me just say this, because I heard something powerful just a few months ago. In the way that we just look at people, your expressions on your face could extend kindness and grace, or can extend harshness, right? Everybody, a lot of y'all shaking your head. We all know good and well, you can get, you. there, there can be different emotions that, that, that rise up in you just by the way someone looks at you, right? Just by the way somebody looks at you, you can get tense, you can get anxious, you can get worried, you can get mad. You know, I heard uh, a, a, a guy that's a, a doctor, he's a theologian, he's a doctor, he's studied for many, many years and works with people as a profession. And he said this, this, this blew me away when he said this. I heard this earlier this year. He said, you know, a child's identity can be formed just from a look. That's powerful. Just from the way a parent looks at a child over a, a course of time, their identity can be formed just from that look. Because they can think, man, mom's always mad at me. Daddy's always mad or daddy's always disappointed. Not by what we say, but just the way he, we look. And when he said that, it, that I literally, that, that blew me away. It's like, wow, wow. We can extend grace to people by what we say and just by the way we look at them. Just by the way, you know that. You know, that's why a lot of times when kids get hurt, what did, who do they run to? To mama, usually. Not to daddy. Usually daddy's like, come on, boy, suck it up. Come on, you're all right. You're all right. But you know what? It's true. Are you ever seen a little boy? I never forget this. I remember one of my friends when we were young, we were riding bikes and we were, there was like a, a high sidewalk with, 
He's big. Roots from a tree. We're riding our bison. It was elevated like this, and we was taking our bison. We were jumping off. Well, my friend came, and he wasn't going fast enough, and he stopped, and his tire went, and he went head first, man, and he hit the, the blacktop. And he got up, and he was trying to suck it up and everything, and he was trying to be tough around all his friends. We brought him back to his house because we figured, man, he's probably hurt. But as soon as he saw his mom, he started crying. You ever seen that? Because why? Because mama has that look of compassion. She's like, oh, my baby, what happened, you know? And, and, and you could, you could tell moms, y'all, y'all are great at that. You'll have the ability to just express compassion. Well, that's how we should be all the time. Amen. And I know it's hard. Again, we need God's grace. It's like, man, this, you know, there's a lot of things that can, that happen in the course of a day that happen in the course of life. So again, we need God's grace so we can extend grace. So just think about it. Be mindful that tomorrow when you go back to work or today, maybe when you're watching the Saints game, be mindful of the look on your face. Okay. Because just that, that I know that's going to be your first test right there if you're a Saints fan, okay? Be mindful of what you say and just how you look. If you feel your eyebrows kind of crunching up tomorrow at the office, just remember, okay, is my expression extending grace or is it extending tender-hearted kindness towards someone else? Amen? So that's the first way, being kind and tender-hearted towards others. And what we say, how we look, what we do, our expression. Number two. Another way we extend grace to others is by, and this kind of, these kind of rise the coattails in number one, but by not being harsh when we see other people's faults. And that's the biggest thing, extending grace when we see other people mess up. Listen to Galatians 1, uh, uh, Galatians 6, I'm sorry, 1 through 3. And Pastor Todd, he, he used this scripture one, uh, a few Sundays ago, I remember about a month or so ago, before he even started preaching, he said he felt the Lord put this on his heart. And again, I, I always like saying this. Pastor Todd asked me to go in this direction this morning. So I always, I always I like telling the church when Pastor Todd's going, I'm not off doing my own thing. He asked me to go in this direction this morning. And he used this scripture and actually gave me this scripture to use this morning. And it says this, Galatians 6, 1 and 3. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important, I love this, to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I don't think Paul was secret sensitive. I love that. He's like, if you think you're too important, get over it. You're not that important. But I love this. I love this because he says, listen, you know, when someone falls into sin, there's two parts of the scripture we want to look at. When someone falls into sin, it says, you who are godly, how many godly people we have in here, should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. It, it says be gentle, not harsh and hard, not condemning people, not throwing stones at people. Not, you know, not, not just lashing out at them. Gently restore that brother. Paul's not condoning sin. He's saying, listen, you got a brother or sister. They sinned. They messed up. I understand that. Now, as being a godly brother and sister, let's gently help that brother or sister back on the right path. What he did was wrong, but he already probably feels like some trash. So let's not, let's not you know, stomp him in the ground more. Let's not beat him over the head and tell him how, how bad of a person he is. Let's, okay, let's deal with it. They know they're wrong. They're repenting. They want to get right. Let's gently help that person. That's extending grace. And I heard a story about a lady that she had done some really bad stuff in her life. She was into prostitution and 
she and I'm not even going to go into details of the things that she was she was doing and, and with uh, the the a poor mom up to her daughter and whatnot. And as this man was counseling, this this minister was counseling her and and uh, trying to help her out. He said, well, listen, have you ever thought about going to church? And her response was church. I already feel bad enough as it is. That was her response. Why did she say that? Because she thought, you know what? My experience with church has been if I go in there with the lifestyle I'm in, they're just going to beat me up even more. I already feel beat up. I'm a prostitute. I've been living this life for years. I don't want to go to church. This ought not be church. Amen. People shouldn't feel like whether it be the doors here, the body of Christ in general, that when someone messes up, that the first response is going to be harshness or hardness or criticalness towards that person. Whether it be an outsider or a brother and sister. Because honestly, sometimes we're harder to, with our brothers and sisters here in the church than we are other people. So that's how we extend grace, not being so harsh, gently restoring someone, helping restore that brother or sister back on the right path. And in the second part, he says, be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. That's the thing about it. There's a spiritual principle here that when we're harsh and hard and critical when people mess up, when we mess up, guess what? You reap what you sow. And, and, and if and when you fall into that, people are not going to be so gracious. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, I think there's something spiritual too, not only the way that people react to you, but I can remember a person in particular years ago, and this person was super critical and super hard about people in church. And, and, and they were always coming to me and saying, man, do you know this person's doing this, this, and this? Did you know, I can't believe that they're doing this, this, and this. And it was an ongoing thing. And we would just try, me and my wife would try to just calm them down and be like, okay, listen, you got to be gracious. We understand this. We know this is not right. But you know, the crazy thing is, years down the road, that person struggled with, I'm telling you, almost the exact same multiple issues that she was being critical of back then. There's a spiritual principle to that. When you're harsh in your heart, I believe you open yourself up to the enemy and stronger attack. It's like, okay, big boy, big girl, you think you're so high and mighty? Let's, let's, let's get a taste of it yourself. There's something about that, so be careful with that. Be careful. Man, I would never do something like that. Be careful. Paul warns to be careful, and he even uses those exact words. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation. I notice the further I go on, and, and listen, this used to be me. My, my wife has, has when I first got saved, and, you know, God radically saved me, so I was all up in the world. And when he saved me and delivered me, you know, I, I, when I, I came into church and I started seeing certain things going on, you know, I was very hard, very critical. And, and my wife was the first one to call me out on is like, man, you, you being kind of hard and harsh with people, you know. And then the Lord convicted me about it, you know. And the, 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 the longer I go on, the more I realize when I see somebody mess up, I'm just like, Lord, help me, because that can be me. You know, to hear Pastor Todd said, I'm capable of that and even more if I let sin go unchecked in my life. So again, he said, don't, don't think we're too high and mighty. Be careful. If we're critical, if we're harsh when people mess up, be careful. We might fall into the same thing. Come on, let's restore them gently. Amen. Let's realize that we all mess up. 
That God's been gracious to all of us. That we've all, we all need grace. We all need mercies. As I prayed this morning, His mercies are brand new every single morning. I'm thankful. A lot of y'all probably still have leftover Thanksgiving turkey or ham in your fridge. I'm glad we don't have to run on leftover mercy. Amen? It's brand new, fresh every single morning. Glory to God. So that's the second way we extend grace to others. Not being harsh on other people mess up when we see other people's faults. Number three, a third way that we forgive those who don't deserve it is by, our, we, we extend grace is by forgiving those who don't deserve it. We extend grace to others by forgiving those who don't deserve it. Colossians 3.12 says this, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves, listen to this, with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Remember, grace encompasses all these words, right? Now look at verse 13. This is one of, I'm, I, I, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I remember the first time I read that, the way the New Living Translation says it. Make allowance for one another's faults. Some of us as kids either got, and some of us parents, you might still, do you still give your, your kids allowance? Let me see your hand if you give an allowance to your children. Few people, not many. Allowance thing must be out the window nowadays, huh? All right. Well, you know, when we were kids, we used to get an allowance, right? And I know some people that still give an allowance to their kids. They give them like a weekly sum of money, or I used to. You know, and if you if you give an allowance, like when we got allowances, how many of you got allowance as a kid? Raise your hand. Let me see that. Okay, all right. So you know what I'm talking about. A weekly sum of money that we would get for, you know, just doing the trash or cutting the grass or something. So I always think about that when I read this scripture. You know, you're allowing... Our parents allowed us that money. They put aside that money. They made room in their budget to give us that money, right? It makes it so much easier to forgive someone when you have room for them to mess up. When you make room for someone or, or anyone to mess up, it makes it easier to forgive. Pastor Todd, Brother Francis, has said all the time too, don't put too much stock in people. What does that mean? People are going to let you down. Why? Because we're human. Make allowance for one another's faults. In other words, make room in your life. Know in the back of your head, in your heart, that listen, today somebody might offend me. Somebody might mess me up. Somebody might hurt me. Now listen, I understand it's harder and it's the hardest when it's those closest to us. Those we love, our spouse, our best friend, our parent, our child. Somebody does something to hurt. I know, but we got to remember we're human. We got to make allowance for one another's faults. Because guess what? It's going to happen. Listen, grace is that allowance. Grace is the allowance we need to forgive others. It's the grace of God in us that says, you know what? I'm going to forgive. And, you know, and, and every time we talk about forgiveness, because it's, and I'm going to spend a few minutes on this today, because it's so, such a powerful, we've seen what unforgiveness can do to people. And how unforgiveness turns into bitterness. The Bible talks about don't let any poisonous uh, root of bitterness or unforgiveness, you know, grow up in you. It says because it not only affects you, but those around you. And, and, and 
forgiveness is huge. We need to extend grace by forgiving. And you may say, you know, but, but Brandon, you don't understand what they've done to me. What they, and I don't. Honestly, I don't. But as I was preparing, I, I, I found this video and I saw this interview. Some of y'all might have seen it. I think it's from a couple of years ago. And, and I just want to show you how through God's grace, you can forgive anyone that has hurt you. We end tonight with one of the most potent powers on earth. It can change lives in an instant. Everyone has it. It's the power to forgive. Watch it now in action in Steve Hartman's Assignment America. Thank you, Lord. In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, a 59-year-old teacher's aide sings praise to God for no seemingly apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. For all you've done for me. He never had a chance. In February 1993, Mary's son, Loramian Bird, was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20 and Mary's only child. My son was gone. The killer was a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. I wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was. Tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years, O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood, close to Mary. This close. He lives next door. Next door. How a convicted murderer ended up living a door jam away from his victim's mother is a story not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea here at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow she could forgive her son's killer. What'd she say to you? I believe the first thing she said was, look, you don't know me. I don't know you. Let's just start with right now. And I was befuddled myself. O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close. They are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive. Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. For O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy. I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning how to forgive myself, and I'm still growing towards, you know, trying to forgive myself and what it is I've done. To that end, O'Shea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day and goes to college by night. He says he's determined to pay back Mary's clemency by contributing to society. In fact, he's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons, churches, to large audiences everywhere. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Yes, I'm grateful. Which explains why Mary can sing her praise of thanks to her audience of one. Steve Hartman, CBS News, Minneapolis. For all you've done for me. Wow. I think we could close in prayer, huh? Isn't that powerful? As a woman of God, not only forgave her son's killer, but encouraged the landlord to let him live right next door.
And as you can see, the relationship is like a, 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 a mother and son right there. So listen, I know, I understand it's not easy, but as she said, she helped me preach this morning. Unforgiveness is like a cancer. It eats you from the inside. You know, this, this message is about extending grace to others, but you know, in this, you know, forgiveness not only extends grace to others, but it releases you. We know that. It, it releases you from the weight that you're in. You know, it's, it's like, like they always say, and you've probably heard this many times, but it's so powerful. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. You're the one that gets affected by it. And think about how powerful of a testimony that is. They heard she came out saying, I thought he was an animal. I wanted him caged. But instead, she extended forgiveness towards him. And how, how much of a witness is that? To not only him, but I'm sure to his family, to the people that he was in prison with. And here's this lady, a God-fearing lady, a Christian lady, that was able to extend, because of God's grace, extend forgiveness to her son's killer. Amazing, huh? Listen to what Jesus said. I'm going to wrap up this one point with, with, with the words of the Lord Jesus. Matthew 6, 37 and 38 says this. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or I will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now listen, oftentimes and for many years when I've heard this scripture, it's usually likened to money. Now, obviously, it can apply to money. But what's the context here? The context here is not money at all. It's judging, condemning, and forgiving. Right? Right? Is that y'all tracking with me? That's, that's the context that Jesus starts out this. There's, if you read in your Bible, there's no paragraphs, breaks, or anything. It's the same paragraph. He's talking about judging, condemning, and forgiving. Obviously, it can apply to money, anything you give. Your time, finances, anything you give, it will come back to you. That's the principle. But specifically here, he's talking about forgiving, condemning, and judging. So think about this. Whatever amount you give of this, of these three, whether it's judgment, Again, being harsh, hard, critical when people mess up, if it's condemning or if it's forgiving, will be returned to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Amen? That's good news. As we extend grace and forgiveness to other people, the more we do that, the more it's going to come back to us. Amen? It's a, it's a kingdom principle. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. So number three, we extend grace to others. By forgiving those who don't deserve it. The fourth and final thing I want to I want to share with you this morning that helps us to extend grace to others. We do this by remembering that the Lord extended grace to us. When you stop and remember how much grace God has extended towards us, it reminds us how dare we withhold forgiveness, mercy. Our grace towards others, right? John 1.14 says this, The Word became flesh and made His home among us. We have seen His glory, glory like that of the Father's only Son. I love this. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. I'll just stop right there. We know the Scripture says, Speak the truth in love. You know, sometimes we can be harsh to people and just say, Well, you know what, brother? I was just speaking the truth. And that's good. But you know what? Combine that truth with some grace. Jesus came in the fullness 
of grace and truth. Jesus didn't just come in and let heads roll and just like, this is the truth and this is... No, He was gracious. That's what, that's what blew the minds of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the time, was how he continued to extend grace. Or if they knew what kind of woman that was touching him, he, he, wouldn't, he, he wouldn't even let that happen. But he was extending grace. He knew what, what kind of woman was touching him and was crying and doing all that. And he knew the truth and he'd give them the truth. But he came in the fullness of truth and grace. Now look at verse 16. From his fullness, we have all received Grace upon grace. I love that. Grace upon grace upon grace. It doesn't stop, right? That's what, that's the title of this series. Unlimited grace. You can, you can put that there. From, from his fullness, we've received unlimited grace from the Lord. So we know that the Lord has extended so much grace to us and he continues to extend grace each and every day. You know, I've said it. I think I said it Wednesday night again. You know, if God had just extended the grace for me to be saved and then was done right there, I would be grateful. That would be way more than I ever deserved, right? Right? We were talking about Wednesday night, if you wouldn't hear about, you know, being thankful in everything and every season, even in hard times, you know, as we just celebrated Thanksgiving. You know, if it was just that God saved us, would be enough. But every day, He continues to extend grace upon grace to us. So when we have a hard time extending grace, it, it, we, we have spiritual amnesia. Let me put it to you that way. If we're having a hard time extending grace, mercy, forgiveness, if we're being harsh and hard, we have spiritual amnesia because we are forgetting how gracious God has been to us. So this is this principle right here. As John laid it out, and he lets us know, he came in the fullness of grace and truth. He knows that if we realize this, if we continue to remember, you know what? God has been gracious to me. God has forgiven me. God continues to forgive me, even when I don't deserve it. Is it just me, or do you just feel sometimes like, Lord, I, if, if you gave up on me, I would understand. Does anybody else feel like that sometimes? Like, I continue to mess up. I continue to pray, I try, but I fall again in this area. Lord, if you gave up on me, I, I, I would understand. Because, you know, part of it is we would give up on people after a while, right? But he doesn't. Unlimited grace. The grace is unlimited. See, when a believer considers how much God has extended grace to them, they are able to extend pardon or grace to others no matter what they have done. And I want to I read a short story. To illustrate this, as a Christian man that found this principle to be true, when his wife, who had become an alcoholic, told him of an affair she had with his best friend 10 years earlier. She said she experienced such feelings of guilt that the bottle was a means of escape. Anger and resentment began to sweep over him for his wife's drinking had embittered their children and nearly destroyed their home. He was also deeply hurt by the fact that his close friend had betrayed his trust. Then he remembered Jesus' words. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. Listen to what he said. This is the part. As he thought of God's mercy and grace toward him, he prayed for grace to do the Christ-like thing. Here is his description of what happened the next time he met the man who had caused such heartache. With a sob in my soul, I reached out my hand and gripped his, and for the first time in my life, I knew what it was to forgive. 
I felt a tremendous sense of release as the unbearable weight of bitterness was lifted from my heart. This freedom enabled me to renew my love for my wife and to overcome the barrier that had arisen between us. When I said to her, I forgive you and will accept you just as I did when I pledged to love and cherish you until death. The healing process began its wonderful work. When did the light bulb come on for him? When he remembered. The story says he remembered how gracious God had been to him. He is sitting here looking at his wife that was unfaithful with his best friend and had been a drunk for 10 years. And the light, but he, he's every right, even biblically, to walk out. We know, even Jesus said, for marital unfaithfulness, that you've broken a covenant. He could have walked out, but he remembered how gracious the Lord had been to him, how merciful. And he said, in that moment, and you notice he said, he prayed for the grace to do the Christ-like thing. See, he couldn't do it in his own power. He knew there was no way he could forgive his wife and move on in marriage and have a successful marriage where healing began. But he knew Lord, I pray that you give me the grace I need to extend to my wife after this horrific decade of our life, after the pain, after the heartache, the betrayal, the disappointment, not only to his wife, but to his best friend. But the light bulb went off again. He remembered, you know what, Lord, if you've been this gracious to me, then you can give me the ability to extend grace to those that have so deeply hurt me. Aren't these powerful real-life testimonies of the grace of God? So as we close today, I just want to encourage you again. Where are you with all this? Are you extending grace to others? Are you extending grace when, when, when people mess up? Are you harsh, hard, fault-finding when they mess up? Or are you tender-hearted? Are you kind? Just in general, not even, let, let me separate those two. The first thing was being tender-hearted and kind to others. How was your facial expressions? How do you speak to your wife, to your husband, your children, your coworkers, your friends, to the coach that messed up on TV? Y'all laughing because you know I'm true. We can be we can be harsh to people we never even met before, right? What about when someone messes up around you? How do you treat them? Are, are you how, how, how do you do you treat them harshly? Do you do you Judge them and I can't believe they did it. I would never. Is that your attitude? How are we extending grace? Are you remembering what the Lord has done? What about forgiveness? Have you forgiven someone that deeply hurt you? And listen, and I agree. I, I don't know what everyone has gone through here, what someone has done to you. I, I have no idea. And I don't, I, I know how hard that can be, but I know that if the Bible tells us to forgive and to make allowance for one another's faults, then he'll give us the grace to do it. So it's a little self-evaluation this morning as we talk about extending grace and we walk out of here today. What's going to be our attitude? What's going to be our mindset? What's going to be our tone of our voice, the look on our face? When someone lets us down, and remember, they will. We will. I will. I'm gonna, I know we're going to let people down. We're going to mess up, right? That's why Jesus had to die for our sins past, present, and future. He knew we wouldn't hit the mark. He knew we would miss it. We would all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's why Jesus had to come. And that's where I want to end today.
is that you can't extend grace until you have received grace. Why don't everybody stand up with me as I read this last scripture? You can't extend grace until you have received grace. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says this, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is God's gift. We are first saved by grace through faith because of the grace of God. All of us in here that are born again, because of God's graciousness, he extended to us. And then we had faith to believe the gospel. What's the gospel? That we, again, like I just said, Romans 3.23, we all sin and fall short of God's glorious standard. See, that's, that's, let me back up and say this. That's what happens a lot of times when we get harsh and hard towards other people. It's because we compare ourselves to another person. We say, oh man, I, I, that person messed up. I'd never do nothing like that. Well, you might think you're better than that person. Compare yourself to Christ. When we compare ourselves to him, game over. We all fall short of that. That's the bar. If you want to set a bar for somebody, that's the bar. So we all fall short of that glory standard. So none of us have a right to be in relationship with, with God the Father. But the good news... So we, we all would, are in sin. So let me, there can't be good news unless there's bad news, right? So the bad news is we all sin. And, and, and sin separates us from God in this life and in eternity. The good news is Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross for us, just as we sang about, just as we thanked him for earlier. And he took our place. And he said, you know what? If you, I'm extending grace. And if you have faith, as we just read in Ephesians, if you have faith and you believe, that word believe means to trust. If you trust in me, that I will forgive your sins. If you repent of your sins, turn away and trust in me to forgive your sins. I will wash your sins clean, give you a clean start, welcome you into the family of God, walk with you, help you, empower you with more grace, and you will live for eternity with me. That's an amazing story. And it's a free gift of God. Christmas is right around the corner. Guess what? Gift giving was God, God's idea. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the gift of God is that we receive his son, forgiveness, and be born again. Whatever head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, you know what, Brandon? I don't know if I receive God's grace. I know that I'm a sinner and I have sin in my life and I've messed up and I've, I've done a lot of wrong. But I don't know if I've ever given my life to Christ. I don't know if I made things right with the Lord. But I want to. Maybe you never heard the gospel before and, and know that Jesus came down to die for you and for you specifically. He had you on his mind when he was hanging on that cross. He so loved the world, but you can put your name there. For God so loved, fill your name into that blank that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, as a gift. And he extends grace to you today and say, you know what? If you are hurting, if you're lost and you say, I need to get right with God. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I die today, if I would make it, Brandon. If that's you and you say, man, I, I want to receive this free gift of salvation. I want to be right with the Lord. Slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just lift your hand up. Let me see it. I see your hand right here, ma'am. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? I see your hand back here, ma'am. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. I want to get right with the Lord. I want to be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Praise God. Amen. Well, thank y'all for your boldness that lifted your hands. Come on, let's pray with these 
with these that lifted their hands. We all going to pray together. If you believe in your heart, the Bible says, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved through grace by faith. You got to have faith and believe. It's not just it's not the prayer that saves you. It's, it's the faith to say, you know what? I trust in Christ. I want to turn from my lifestyle, my wicked ways, my sin, and turn to Jesus. So those of you that raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer, and we're all going to join you as a, as a family. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Lord, I repent. I turn away from the world, and I turn to you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for extending grace, for giving me faith, and helping me, Lord. Now, Lord Jesus, give me the strength, give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. I surrender my will to yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap.